Amen. You may be seated. Good to see you. Thank you for being here on Easter Sunday morning. This is our first service. And thank you for inviting us into your homes as well so that we can share the Word of God together. Just me and you, isn't it? Besides a lot of other people here and, and then in a little while in our second service when this place will be filled normally to capacity pretty well in the second service. And uh, what a great day this is. But for every one of you that's here and watching us at home at this moment, a big, big God bless to you. This is Easter Sunday. I grew up in a church where on this Sunday morning, we used to sing a hymn. Every Sunday morning, what was it? Up from the grave he arose. How many of you also did that? Yeah, I know. That, 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 that was always the song on an Easter Sunday morning. And uh, boy, we used to, I, mean, I used to play piano in those days, you know, back in my homeland. And I tell you what, I'm not sure I can say this, but I'm going to say it. I used to beat the hell out of that piano. <laughs> it's because it was in church, we, we beat heaven into it. So it's okay. And it used to, well, some of you think I still do the same thing, but there you go. <laughs> Last week we were talking about taking the walk and how there was no shortcuts and how that we needed to walk like Jesus walked and feel like Jesus felt and understand the significance of that. On Wednesday we did a very in-depth Bible teaching about the cross. We will do that again on Wednesday about the resurrection. So this message isn't so much about the deep theology into the atonement, which is what last Sunday was and Wednesday was all about, nor even into the deep theology of the resurrection of our Savior Jesus Christ. But we're going to focus on the significance of it. Risen and alive. We had a debate in the office during the week of whether it was risen and then alive or alive and so he's risen, which way it came around. But we... We went for risen and alive. Jesus is risen. He took the walk all the way. He went all the way. And in between last week and this week, you've got to remember, that walk took him to some terribly dark places. Gethsemane was a dark place. Standing in Pilate's judgment hall was a dark place. To hear the people crying out, crucify him, was a dark place. To hear the trumped-up charges. <laughs> and if you were watching us on Wednesday, and if, you, and if you didn't, oh, I really recommend that teaching to you. To hear those trumped-up charges and even find out that they didn't even agree with each other. And none of their charges really stood any scrutiny. That was a dark place. But in his heart, he knew that he had to go through. That's taking the walk. He had to go through the valley of the shadow of death. And sometimes we do too, that we go through difficult situations and times in our lives. I love that verse in Psalm 23. It doesn't say into the valley of the shadow of death. It talks about through. And I want to speak a word to somebody here this morning and say, you are going to come through. Whatever it is that you're in right now, you're going to come through. You're going to come through. It might look like a dark night right now, but I want to tell you, after the darkness comes the dawn. After the darkness, there comes the hope of a new day. You're going to come through. You're, 
I hope you're hearing something because I believe that God is sending me as, as his servant, as the, as the man of God in this moment to say to you, you are going to come through because Jesus came through. He had those dark days all the way to being crucified. Could you imagine the sound? And I don't want to be too graphic in this, but this is the reality of the hammer hitting the nails into his hands. And, and, and all of the noise that would have been on Golgotha's hill up to the point that he cried out, it is finished. There was no shortcut. We spoke about that last week. He could have called 10,000 angels at any moment and said, be done with you all. But he wasn't interested in be done with you all. He was interested in one thing only. And that was that he could find a way for me and you and for you sitting at home listening to me right now to have and to find forgiveness. We talked about it, redemption, to come to a place of atonement. There was no shortcut. The Bible tells us that this is the gift of God. It is eternal life. All we've got to do, our contribution to the deal is just to believe. That's it. He paid the price. He took the journey. He went all the way. All as we've got to do is believe. It was a dark day. Somebody said, it's Friday, but thank God Sunday is coming. And today, by the way, if you hadn't just noticed it, it's Sunday. So let's read about it. We're going to read quite a few verses from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28. Matthew 28, verses 1, it says, After the Sabbath, that was the day, that was the Saturday, in between Friday and Sunday, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. They were taking spices. They were taking the embalming stuff to, to preserve and, and to flavor, if you like, the body of the, they thought, dead Jesus. They were heartbroken. Friday had been a dark day for them as well. They'd walked away, could you imagine the decision to walk away from the cross? Could you imagine the decision for those women to be able, they'd taken the body of Jesus and put it in, in a borrowed tomb. Can you imagine the decision to actually go home that night? I don't know if you've ever been in a crisis moment, maybe with somebody in hospital, and somebody says, go home and get a bit of rest. You just need to go. You said, I can't go home. They must have felt like that. They must have been in the middle of that moment to say, I can't leave now. I can't go. But they did, and they gathered their stuff together in preparation. I don't think they slept that night. And very early the next morning, they went to go and embalm the body, they thought. Of Jesus. Thank God for those women. And then that morning, there was a violent earthquake. Matthew records it. You'll read it. We're reading it out of 28. There was a violent earthquake. For an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. By the way, a lot of people think that the angel rolled the stone away so that Jesus could get out. I want to tell you something, there's no stone was going to keep him in there. And a bit later, when he was meeting with his disciples, he didn't need somebody to open the door so he could go in. When he came to meet the disciples, you know, after the resurrection, he just, I don't know how he did it, but he walked through the wall. Or something happened that nobody 
unlocked the door and led him in. Him in. He was there. And I want to tell you something. Jesus did not, he didn't need no angel to go and roll away some big stone so that he could get out. We're talking, well, anyhow, let me not get ahead of the story. And he rolled the stone back to the angel and he sat on it. I want to tell you something about that angel. He's a plucky angel. He knew that there was going to be drama. And he was going to have the best seat in the house to watch that drama. <laughs> and that's, that's why he, he, I think the angel sat on the, it says he, he sat on the top of the stone. I think he sat there cross-legged, arms folded with a smirk on his face. Because I think he got an inkling of what was coming. And he said, there's no way that I'm going to miss this. I'm not going to go backstage behind the curtains. I'm, I'm sitting on the edge of the stage with my legs dangling off the edge of the stone. I'm going to get a bird's eye view of what is coming. And the angel sat on it. Now his appearance was like lightning. And his clothes were white as snow. So he dressed up for the drama too. I mean, he, he was there like, bang, in the middle of this dark days to announce a new day. The angel, sparkling bright, sat on the tombstone with a smirk on his face, was declaring, this is Resurrection Sunday. Now, the guards were there because they... they you, you, it's, I'm just reading down the Bible. It says, the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. You would. I would. You've got to picture yourself to be in that guard. Now, we'll talk a bit in a minute why the guards were there, but I, the guards were there. What, what were they trying to do? They were trying to stop people getting in. But they couldn't stop someone who was in trying to get out either. Uh, the guards couldn't keep him in. And by the way, he didn't need the angel to roll the stone away. We're talking about the risen Savior here. And they shook and became like dead men. This, this, is, this is holy drama going on here in the garden on that Easter Sunday morning. And the angel said to the women, you remember they come with their basket full of spices and stuff. He says, don't be afraid. It's funny, isn't it? How angels turn up, frighten the life out of you, and the first thing they say to you is, don't be afraid. They did it when they were announcing the birth of Jesus, all the way to, I mean, if an angel happened to appear, maybe I am. <laughs> but if an angel, I mean, if an angel appeared, I mean, it does, it scares the life out of us, doesn't it? It would, it would shock us. And the first thing they say is, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus. Oh man, that's a sermon in itself. That these women in their night, in their real downtime, in a time when they thought it had all gone wrong, they still came looking for Jesus. And uh, I want to tell you something, that's the best place that we can ever be in, is when we are looking for Jesus. And then there's just a couple of words that come out that changes everything. The angel said to these women, He is not here. He has risen. Wow. Now, if there was ever a one-liner, that's it. He's not here. Could you imagine? Because they didn't know yet what had happened. 
I mean, just, he's not here. I mean, all of this. Could you imagine the guards when they heard that? Because they'd been posted there to make sure that he was going to stay there. He is not here. I want to tell you, this last week I had the opportunity of sharing a message with many hundreds of DCI pastors around the churches as I uh, shared with them an Easter message. And, and, and I spoke about he is not here. The reason he's not here in that tomb is because he's here. <laughs> he can't, I mean, he, he was not stuck in there because he had to be released from there so he can be here. And he can be with you at home right now. And he was with you before you came to here. And wherever you're going, he is not there in the tomb because he is here. Because the risen Christ is, is here. And then the angel said, come and see the place where he lay. He invited them right into the tomb. What emotion that must have been for those women. I'd never really seen that little phrase until this time when I studied it. Where the angel said, come and take a look. I'd never really seen. I'd sort of known that they'd seen inside, but I'd never heard the angels. I'd never just, it's funny how you read the Bible again, isn't it? You see something new. And he just, and basically he said to the, to the women, come and take a peep. Come and have a look. Uh, come to you the place where he'd lay. We'll talk later maybe a little bit about the fact that when they went in there, it says in another version of it that the, the clothes, the grave clothes that he was in, were not left on the bedroom floor disheveled, like many of your husbands do according to your wives. They were folded up. The Bible says they were folded grave clothes. I think when Jesus rose again from the dead and he slipped out of whatever it was that he was in, he took those things, he did them like this, he did it like that, he did it like that. He put it down on the slab, he smoothed it out with, it, with his hand, he placed it, put it onto the stone very carefully. And I tell you what he said. I think what he said. I'm never going to wear you again. Because he's never going to be dead again. And I think he's going to say, one time use only and when he walked out of that grave however he did he left behind him the folded neat organized finished with grave clothes i, I really like that. that 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 just the holy spirit just fertilized my imagination with that and and i can imagine jesus walking out of the tomb that day and looking back and seeing the cloth all nicely folded and said organized done another it is finished. Not only on the cross, but as far as the grave is concerned, as far as the grave clothes are concerned, it is finished. And then he turned to the women, coming back to the verse, and he said, uh, now go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and he's going ahead of you into Galilee. And there you will see him. And then the angel added, now I've told you. In other words, the secret is out. He is risen. So the women hurried away from the tomb, the Bible says, afraid, yet filled with joy, and they ran to tell his disciples, and suddenly Jesus met with them and said, greetings. <laughs> I mean, here's the guy who, they, the last time they'd seen him was on the cross, or maybe they'd seen him, his body being taken off to the grave, and here he is standing and walking, talking, 
And they came to him, the Bible, just finishing those verses off, it says they came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. You would, wouldn't you? And then Jesus said to them, like the angel said, do not be afraid, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and they will see me there. He'd taken the journey all the way to a cross, and then he'd taken a journey to a borrowed tomb, where the Roman soldiers were so concerned that they posted soldiers around him with a huge stone to stop anybody getting in, but that wasn't about to stop him getting out as we now know. And that was Friday. But Sunday came. And the dawn of a new day was coming. The sun was coming up. It had been Passover festival in Jerusalem. I think there had been conversations around every Passover table that weekend about what had just happened. It started with Lazarus, if you remember from the story last week. Lazarus was like, whoa, 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 that was big news. And then the triumphal entry, that was big news. And then what had happened during the week, that was big news. And then all of this trial and all of that stuff. And then there was a green hill outside the city wall. Crucified in a crown of thorns and nails in his hands and spear through his side. They'd watched him and they'd heard him cry out, It is finished. What a journey. Until the angel said, He's not here. Now the Bible then goes on in the next few days and times following this resurrection morning to show how Jesus cared for those people who had been through all of this stuff. I just want to tell you something. Jesus cares for you while you're going through the stuff. Whatever it is you're going through right now, Jesus cares for you and reaches out to you. There was one of his disciples who doubted him, Thomas. So Jesus arranged a home visit He didn't ring the doorbell. He didn't ask for the key to be unlocked in the door. He just appeared in the room. And caring so much for Thomas, he reached out his hands and said, Touch me if you want. Put your finger in the nail prints. Put your hand in the side. You know, blessed are you when you see and believe. But it's much more blessed to believe, to see. And he reached out to those who had doubted. You know, some people, maybe you today, You've had some doubts in your heart about Jesus and about eternal life and about salvation. But Jesus is reaching out to you right now and he's saying, look, the nail prints are for real. The death on the cross was for real. And Jesus is reaching out and caring for you just like he did to the doubter. And then there was one who denied Jesus three times. You remember who when they were saying, oh, you were one of his disciples, said, no, not me, number one. No, not me, number two. No, not me, number three. And before the clock, 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 cock crows thrice. I was raised on King James Version. You'll have to forgive me. Before it does three times, you're going to deny me three times. And then Jesus turned up to meet with him as well, caring for him. He didn't want to go and leave Peter with that regret and the final thing that happened between him and Peter being the fact that he denied him. Jesus wasn't going to leave Peter stewing in his denial. 
he cooked him a fish breakfast on the shore. And then Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? One for each time that he denied him. And I don't think the significance of that was lost on Peter when he said the third and final time, do you love me? And he says, oh Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And the record was put right. Jesus restored the weakened Peter and was about to make him the great apostle of the faith for, that was so significant during the New Testament. But unless Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, had intervened with the doubting Thomas or the resurrection Jesus had intervened with the denying Peter, those guys wouldn't have gone on to do all that they did. And especially Peter, what an awesome Apostle he became in the New Testament, all because the resurrected Jesus reached into his moment. You know, God is reaching into your moment right now. Maybe you've even denied him sometimes. Maybe you've, you were ashamed to lift up the name of Jesus at work or in some way, or you, you failed to keep the testimony right. And you said, oh God, I've blown it again. Listen, you're in good company. Whether you're at home or you're here, you're in good company. We've all done that. But Jesus walks into our situation today and he asks us a very simple question. He doesn't ask us about the denial. He asks us one question. Do you love me? That's the crux of it. That the whole lot of the Easter story is about the love of Jesus Christ. And I want to tell you something. If you'll only answer Jesus today and say, Jesus, I love you, then all the other stuff is dealt with because love covers a multitude of sins the Bible says greater loveth no man than this than he laid down his life you know this is this is what it's all about this is it's not about just doing the right thing it's having the right response to God and the right response is to say Jesus I love you and the weakened Peter rose to be the great apostle Peter who did awesome things there were some particularly the women who we met earlier in our story who were so convinced that he was dead and gone that they were bringing spices to embalm his body. Now, when they suddenly met the Savior, they must have gone through their mind quickly. What fools were we? What in the world are we doing? Why didn't we believe him? Because Jesus had spoken about the fact that he was going to rise again. Hey, they, they must have said to themselves, what in the world? And they must have felt embarrassed and ashamed. Here they are with with spices to embalm a dead body. And here they've got the living Savior saying to them, greetings. They must have felt like, oh no, we got caught out on the wrong mission. But Jesus knew that. Which is why the resurrection Jesus didn't only come to Thomas when he doubted. and didn't only come to Peter when he denied. But the resurrection Jesus first came to those ladies and met them. And you know what? When Jesus turned up, he changed their mission forever. They thought their mission was now to come and embalm the dead body of Jesus. And they probably thought that their mission was to now go and keep putting flowers on his grave forever. And just to tell the stories. But Jesus said, no way. Now I'm going to recommission you. And what his commission was, now go and tell his disciples go and tell everybody, Jesus is alive. And those people, those ladies, he said to them, don't be afraid. There's no need to embalm anymore. And they were no longer embalming. They were embarking on a whole new journey. Hallelujah. 
It went from embalming to embarking on a mission that was to go. And these women figured, you go and read the rest of the New Testament and you will find that these women who, who walked into the garden like this with, with a basket full of, of herbs and, and spices, they walked out of that garden like, what in the world did we just see? And then went and walked through the New Testament as significant women to do something great for the glory of God. They could have never dreamed of what they would see and what they would do all because of the resurrection. And that's true for you too. God's got plans for you. You might have thought some of your plans, that God's plans for you were dead and gone, but I want to tell you something. They are not over. They're not dead and gone. The resurrection Christ wants to meet you in the garden of your life today. And he wants to say to you, greetings. Now I've got something for you to do. Here's something I thought about a great deal this week, and I thought about it a great deal because I, I just felt the Holy Spirit whisper it into my heart, but I wanted to check this out theologically inside my head too, against the Word. The death of Jesus Christ sorted out, secured our past. He paid the price for our redemption. The shedding of His blood did that. And that would have been enough to give me heaven, the death. The death alone, actually, when Jesus said, it is finished, the visa for heaven, when I believe, was issued. The citizenship in heaven was secured. It was a done deal. The new covenant this is my blood body, which is broken for you. We just broke bread in the service. This is the blood shed for you. It's all about the death of Jesus Christ. And it was sufficient. Just like the lamb in the Old Testament, in the holy, of, holy place, it was done once a year, but then a new lamb, the lamb of God, came, and he paid the price for us, and the death of Jesus Christ did it. And if there was only Friday we would have still been given redemption, I believe. But the resurrection, but the resurrection takes this whole salvation thing to a totally different level. Because now no longer do we have the grave of the Savior there is now a shrine that we take a pilgrimage to go and look and we just trust in his say-so from a couple of thousand years ago and we worship a dead God. There is no grave with the body of Jesus Christ in. He rose again from the dead and if death dealt with our past and redeemed our sin problem, resurrection was about to deal with our now and our future. And not only just that, but we are talking about the resurrection life of Jesus Christ coming to live with us. So it's no longer just the deal has been done to counteract our sin problem, but the very Savior who dealt with that now comes and says, let's do it together. And he comes to live on the inside of us. That's why the Bible says, it's no longer you that lives, but it's Christ that lives in you. He couldn't say that if there wasn't the resurrection. All we would have is the, is the, 
the script, if you like, of the law being satisfied, the justice of God being satisfied, the atonement being satisfied. That would have all, that all happened on Friday. But after Friday, when the resurrection, Jesus Christ rose again. He said, I'm going to be with you to the end of the age. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And you know, the Bible says that God watches over his word. God watches over his promise. He's alive so he can make sure his will is being done. Sometimes we've had a joke, me and Rachel, about the future and about our funeral service. Don't worry, I've got no prophecy that's going to happen anytime soon. And she'll say to me, she says, well, I'll just do whatever I want because you'll be dead and gone. <laughs> Presuming that I went first. You know, do you want to be buried? Do you want to be... Um, Chris, not crucified, uh, cremated. Do you, do you want to do this? Do you, know, do you, do you want to do that? And she says, well, you, you'll be dead and gone anyhow. Well, I want to tell you something. He's not dead and gone. He's dead and alive. And he's watching over his will. That's what I'm talking about. I want you to grab the significance of this. There are two very important things that are going on between Friday and Sunday. One dealt with our sin and the other is dealing with our life. And him watching over his word and alive and watching over it and saying, we are going to fulfill this promise. We are going to make sure my word does not return void. We are going to make sure this works through and a risen Savior is on your case, ladies and gentlemen. No matter what's going on in your life, he's on your case. Not a historical dead figure, but a living Savior is on your case. He's alive, and he's alive forevermore. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? And my final few thoughts are this. The consequences of resurrection and his life living in us are beyond imagination. Resurrection means anything is possible. Lazarus was an example of death, and, and then Jesus himself was. But anything is possible. When the resurrection Christ says to you, you're forgiven, that's, that's, that's possible. When the resurrection Christ says to you, you've doubted, but it's okay, uh, here's the proof. Anything is possible. When the resurrection Christ says to you, when you denied him, you can stand up and have a Peter life for the rest of your time. Or even if you were one of the women that really thought that it was all over, when the resurrection Christ meets you in your garden this morning and says to you, greetings, I want to tell you something. Your future is bright. Your future is glorious. Your future is Christ living in you. Why? Because resurrection means anything is possible. Resurrection means that the things that you thought were dead, those dead dreams, those dead hopes, those dead opportunities, those financial losses, those failed situations, it's nothing. God can breathe life into all of that, and maybe he doesn't bring it back to exactly like it was, but he does it better because God is always into making things better you are a new creation Christian with, with the life the resurrection life of Jesus and, and like Pastor West spoke a couple of Sundays ago you are not who you say you are and you're not who somebody else says you are you are who he says you you are and he says to you 
You are redeemed. You are loved. You are the prized possession. He went all the way to Calvary for you. He's going to love you. He rose again from the dead for you. And he's going to stay watching over his word so that you can be more than a conqueror. Three little words changed everything. He's risen. And God wants to change everything for you. On this resurrection Sunday, God wants to say to you, I'm alive for you. I'm alive to change your circumstances. I'm alive to deal with your past. But I'm alive to watch over my work concerning you. And you maybe have doubted, maybe you've denied, maybe you've given up hope. But God says it's not over until God says it's over. And I want to tell you it's not over for you. It's time to let the resurrection life of Jesus Christ fill you with, you know, same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That's what the Bible says. I don't know if you, or maybe you're watching me at home right now, if you've Come to a place of faith in Jesus Christ and ask Jesus to be your Savior. What's the point of knowing all that truth and all the reality of that and you've not come to a personal faith in Christ? You could come to him today and just say, Jesus, on this Easter Sunday, I want to get to know you as my Lord and Savior. Give him your life. Come to a place where you believe. And for others here or watching, and you've denied or you've doubted or you've, you've just been on the edges somewhere. And God doesn't wag his finger at you. He extends his hand towards you. And he's not asking for an embalming moment. He's asking for an embarking moment. When you embark on a new journey and a new adventure and a new... It's time to be back at the foot of the cross. It's time to let the resurrection life of Jesus Christ fill you empower you and cause you to know that because of resurrection power anything is possible yeah. it's my prayer that you will come to faith today that you'll stay in faith today or you'll come back to faith today and if you're doing that why don't you do it during this last song and as these guys are ministering this song to us you tell the Lord yeah. I'm coming back I'm giving myself to you and when you've done that, why don't you let us know that you did that? Oh, there's no greater joy for us than to get an email or a text or a word on the way out or something to say, today was my day. God bless you.